I'll tell you what, folks, I think we have had a tremendous time of recognizing Memorial Day. I tell you, I'm almost in the mood now just to transition right into fried chicken, potato salad, and fireworks. I don't know about you, but anyhow. Um, but we do have a little bit more business to do here. But seriously, thank you all for that. And I, and I, and I hesitate to even kind of, uh, c- kind of say that because in all seriousness, man, what a... Uh, I'm very thankful for each and every person's participant in the, in the service today because... Um, you know, I think sometimes in church, rightly so, we will, rec- we will wrestle sometimes with, okay, how much are we embracing of kind of what might be considered more like American nationalism and, and biblical Christianity? However, however, and I, and I totally get that, but it does, it does do us well, I think, to pause and ponder and recognize and even look at, in, knit in thus far in what is really a very young history of the United States of America compared to other, you know, uh, countries out there. For instance, I think about like countries like, like Great Britain and the United Kingdom that have, that have been in existence for a good bit longer than we have. It, it, does, it does do us well to not take for granted, even though if you study and you're, and you're true and sincere with it, there are, some, there are some real harsh moments, even in our American history. It does do us well to every now and then look at songs like the battle hymn of the republic and just and just to consider that that in a age gone by in the midst of horrific warfare and sacrifice and really circumstances in life that I can't even and probably you can't even really begin to contemplate there were people before God grappling in their prayers and with their bibles to know God's direction to know God's peace. And truly, I don't know how you can look at, at our country and, and not see at least the hand in many ways of God's work and protection, albeit so often and very similar to the nation of Israel when you look at the Old Testament times, how often we can simply just kind of rebel against God and his just common grace and the goodness that he has indeed kind of shown upon this land. So it does us good to pause and remember and reflect and Christians ought to be able to lead the way in that because when it's all said and done, who else is the person to stand in the gap when the widow is shedding her tears and offer her words of good news and comfort and eternal life? Amen? Who, who else does that if it's not the Christian? Who else stands for truth and righteousness? Who else, who else is equipped to do this other than the Christian? And so really today, I want to ask you to start a journey with me in Joshua chapter 1. And really today is a good day to kick this off, a day when we've already been called to remembrance of great generations before us who have paid the ultimate sacrifice and who have fought the good fight. And really today we start a biblical journey with Joshua. We're going to walk along with Joshua and we'll pick it up next week and we're just going to journey. And there are going to be some times here, in fact I'm already under this conviction and impression, that there are going to be some moments when we just need to really stop and be still. And we need to really, really look and ask God to show us some very direct and sincere lessons that he is wanting to show us. Even in the 930 service today, um, I don't even know. I think, 
I basically will preach the same sermon to you, but in so many ways, at 9.30, you know, the 9.30 services, I was teaching Joshua 1 to those dear loved ones, just sharing with them God's word and the call upon their lives, which is the same call upon your lives, same call upon my life, for us to seek God. How can we be a great generation for God? On this day when we've been reminded in our American history to pause and reflect and remember on what past generations have done for us. How can we be a great generation for God? I don't mean that as an egotistical request. I mean that just simply before God as his people. I think that's a reasonable question. I mean, after all, if our God is the one true great God, And when we read about people like Joshua and we see God's call upon his life and then just fast forward to the New Testament and you read God's call upon his disciples and the early church, that is the same call that rests upon you and me, men and women. Boys and girls, teenagers, that is the same call of God upon your life. So I think it's a reasonable question to say, how can we be a great generation for God? Because, you know, here in the United States... And some other countries do this, but I don't know that hardly any do it as prolifically as the United States, as I've traveled around some few different parts of the world, is to see how the United States, we pause to remember the great generations. We do that, don't we? I want to give you a little test. I want to see how, how, how good you are on your memorials. I'm going to take you on a little tour here all of a sudden. I'm going to put some pictures on the screen, and I want to see if you can tell me who the memorial is to, because that's one of the ways as a nation we've attempted to remember the great generations before. So here's the first one. Put this picture. Who's that memorial to? Anybody know? The Jefferson Memorial. All right. We'll go to the next one. The Lincoln Memorial. All right. It's a lot bigger in person than that right there. But anyhow, it's, it's uh, you probably know. Now this is a little, that's the, oh, that's a trick. That was a trick picture right there. That's in Bedford. That's the D-Day Memorial. All right. All right. We'll go to the next one. Vietnam veterans, uh, war veterans. Korea, okay, you guys, you guys are good. You guys, okay. Iwo Jima, that's Marine Corps Memorial there, all right. All right, now just pause right there. That's the World War II Memorial. I want to pause right there because that memorial especially has had some tremendous significance in my life because it wasn't really that long ago that um, really at the request of my grandfather and in, with the coordination of my own father, we uh, orchestrated for... Uh, my father and my brother to meet here in the Richmond area at my house and for my grandfather along with my dad's brothers to come with him from North Carolina to meet at my house. I rented a 15 passenger white, white Ford van. We all loaded up in it and I planned out a tremendous one day rapid fire tour of Washington DC. And the first stop that we were going to make was that memorial. Because my grandfather served in World War II, like so many among that generation that Tom Brokaw is called the greatest generation. And I think it's a pretty deserving title in many respects. We, we made our way to that memorial so my grandfather could see it. And right there, I would just kind of add in that I learned a very valuable lesson of touring Washington, D.C. If you want to do it right, always make sure you have someone with you who has a handicapped parking permit, all right? Um, because he does, and I tell you what, it made the day very smooth. And so we pulled right into the, to this memorial. And I'd heard, and I was struck by this, that there, were, that there were so many handicapped parking places at this memorial. And that was because so many of the World War II veterans are now of the age 
and of the health where they, they need handicapped parking. So he pulled in there. And they got my grandfather out of the van. We began to make our way towards this stunning memorial. In many ways, I was struck by the simplicity, yet the how comprehensive and worldwide of a picture the memorial paints, as if to grapple with the fact of how this indeed was such a massive war, a war that indeed did truly span the entire world, a war that cost so many American lives that multitudes of them are represented by one single star because there would be simply hardly not enough room to display their names. I was struck by the memorial. I was struck as my grandpa walked slowly through and around on that marble and on that stone. And as he was as if transported back decades in time, I could not help but stand back and look and watch as my grandpa walked from time to time with all his sons at moments with one son at moments with none of them as he took in this man-made memorial that was transporting him back in time. I could not help but stand there and look at my playful then littler boy playing every now and then reaching reaching up for my hand every now and then reaching up for his grandpa's hand getting to know my grandpa this little boy that was there on a beautiful day able to play and have the time of his life and enjoy just a day with his family all because so many had sacrificed for him. What a great generation. Well, our day went on and we loaded up in the van. We made our way down to the Lincoln Memorial. I remember we pulled up there and my grandpa then as if physically fatigued, yet also emotionally tired, he said, I I think I'll just sit here. Everybody unloaded out of the van. My son went with my dad and and I said, y'all, I'm gonna stay right here with grandpa, okay? And I just sat there and it was quiet. It was quiet. I glanced over to my right and about that moment I noticed tears coming down the cheeks of my grandpa. I had hardly ever seen my grandfather shed a tear. I didn't really know what to do in that moment. So finally, I mustered up the the will to say, Grandpa, what, what are you thinking about? What's the matter? Why are you crying? He began to at first mumble something and then a little bit more audibly as he just seemed to stare off into a distant time saying, they died. They died. I saw them die. I said, Grandpa, who? Who who did you see die? They were there. They were on the bomber and they died. My grandfather served in Army Air Corps on a bomber. And I said, Grandpa, what are you you talking about? Where where, where did they die? What, What are you remembering? He said, we were training. We were training for a mission. 
unbeknownst to me, my grandfather was there at a location where they were training to actually deliver the bomb, the bomb that would end the war. And he said it was, it was on a day when, 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 when some of my friends, they were on this other bomber and they were training and all of a sudden it exploded and they all died. They were just young boys. They were just there serving and then they were gone. As if to look now 50 years later and for him to say, They gave their lives so I could be here with my sons and my grandson and my great-grandson. I haven't forgotten that they gave their lives so I could be here. Loved ones, to every generation there come moments There come moments when we're tested. There come moments when the decision has to be made. And for that greatest generation, as Tom Brokaw writes in his book about them, he talks about how men like my grandfather were just farm boys who all of a sudden found themselves staying in the same barracks with boys who'd grown up in the inner cities. Men from the east and the west and the north and the south, they're gathered together for such a time as that, fighting a fight for survival, fighting a fight for the survival of everything decent, fighting for people they would never meet, whom they would never hear thanks from, but fighting, why? Because ultimately their commander-in-chief said, it is your time. The battle is here. It is pressing upon us now. And Brokaw calls them the great generation. No one could have anticipated how the training that they went through and the experiences they went through would end up marshalling a group that would indeed come back to these United States and they would become the parents, they would become the neighbors, they would become the leaders, they would become the people that got up day in and day out and just did their jobs and many of whom for 50 years never ever talked about what they saw with their own eyes except for that day that I sat with my grandpa in a rented van in front of Lincoln Memorial now I share that with you because today I want to ask us to begin to consider something as a church family for us to consider that in the midst of everything going on around us that I believe it's a good question for us to ask ourselves how can we be a great generation for God not that we need memorials built to us not that that would even be acceptable or just or righteous we don't we don't need that and we don't want that but down deep how can we one day find ourselves able to look back and say we were a great generation for God not for our glory but for God's glory How can we be a people who simply show up for the battle and do our job, raise our kids, and in the meantime, honor our Lord and obey our commander-in-chief? That's what I want to talk with you about for a few moments today and in the weeks to come. Because I believe that we are living in such a time as this, is where this church finds herself at a critical point of transition. Where as the generations gather here, we must, each and every one of us, ask ourselves, are we ready? Are we ready 
to serve the Lord with great abandon? Are we ready for God to work in and through us in ways perhaps we have never seen? How might we make ourselves ready? We must be strong and courageous because the battle is at hand. So I ask you to look with me at the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, listen to the first nine verses of God's word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, listen to this, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful, being careful to do according to all the law that my, Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, I pray right now that you will help us as we're introduced to Joshua to understand. Lord, help us to identify with where he must have found himself and what he must have thought to himself. Lord, help us this day to understand how indeed you want to work in and through us as a great generation for your glory. Lord, I pray the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, you're my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you some encouragements here. Let me give you some encouragements here because I find it so striking here that that God obviously is speaking very directly to Joshua and wanting him to be ready for the challenge. Now, if you're like me, so often when I've thought of Joshua, here's how I've thought of Joshua. I've often thought of Joshua like he would have been one of the members of the Avengers, okay? Okay. I mean, when I think of Joshua, I think of just this mighty general, this conquering hero. And in so many ways, I don't know that that's far from the truth. I mean, he was so very courageous in so many instances. But I want you just to let Scripture directly speak to you from this time in Joshua's life. Because look, look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I want you to think about just those verses for a minute. Number one, he's told here at the start that, that, that Moses, he's reminded of this, of this central title that Moses was given. Moses is called the servant of God. But right here, Joshua is called what? Joshua's called the assistant. I've been studying this afresh and anew, especially in the past few days. And I'll be honest with you, so, so often when I've thought about Joshua, 
When I think about Joshua, I kind of think about a guy probably kind of in the early part of his career, you know. Man, he's, you know, he, he's, he's been serving in the wings for a while as an assistant, as a lieutenant, kind of biding his time. But now all of a sudden, he's right there in leadership and he's rearing to go. He's that youthful generation. But you want to know, you just want to know, technically speaking, Joshua, how old he was? He was 80. He was 80. I had some folks at 9.30, may have a few in here, I had some folks at 9.30 that are, that are over 80 years old. And I said, guess what, guys, you're just starting. <laughs> I was struck by the fact, listen, don't miss this, Joshua had spent over 40 years, many would say the prime of his life, as the assistant. He was the lieutenant, but on this day, he finds himself in the office all by himself. And I'm struck by the fact, Moses, the servant of the Lord, says to Joshua, the assistant, here it is, Moses, my servant, is dead. Why did God have to say that? You say, well, I guess Joshua didn't know that Moses had died, so God's just kind of making sure he knows. Listen, they had spent the last 30 days, according to Deuteronomy 34, the last 30 days mourning over Moses. Joshua knew. Joshua, for decades of his life, from what I've read in the scriptures, would have spent every single day in communication with Moses. He was his direct lieutenant. Joshua was the one, if you go back and read in Exodus, it's Joshua who is actually right there aiding and assisting Moses as he's receiving the Ten Commandments. I mean, Joshua is in this tremendous role as his lieutenant. But on this day, Joshua is reminded. The point is made to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is dead. God, in his grace, had given them 30 days how do I say this? To not get over Moses, but to get ready to move on. It's as if God makes the point. The man died, but the plan did not. And here's the first encouragement I give to you, church, on this Memorial Day. Number one is this. God has given us a very clear assignment. God's given us a clear mission, folks. And these folks were having to come to terms with the fact that Moses, their beloved leader, Moses is the one, mind you, that they had said, hey, Moses, listen, why don't you go talk to God because we're not really so sure we're wanting to be that holy. So you go do that for us. Moses is the one who had brought them the Ten Commandments. Moses is the one who had, who had, who had led them boldly and at times had pled for their very lives before God. And now Moses is dead, Joshua. You get that, right, son? Joshua had known nothing in his life and in his leadership, but being able to go to the office next door and say, hey, Moses, there's some people out here who want to talk to you about what happened. That was his job. He was the assistant. You know, sometimes it's nice being the assistant, isn't it? Uh, hold on just a minute. Uh, let me go ask him <laughs> what he thinks. And now Joshua looks around. And uh, it feels to him like it's just him and God. And God begins to make the point, hey, Joshua, are you ready? Because I am. I am. So church, I want to ask you today, are you ready? Are you ready? God has given us a very clear assignment. Understand this. One quotation says it like this. God buries his workmen, but his work goes on. 
J. Oswald Sanders says this, quote, a work originated by God and conducted on spiritual principles will, will surmount the shock of a change of leadership and indeed will probably thrive better as a result. Here's what that quote is, 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 is showing us and pointing out. Listen, if this indeed, if this church is indeed a work of God and not just some type of man conjured up idea, If we really are the people of God, then understand this. The sooner we understand that this is desperately all about God and seek to conduct ourselves under his spiritual principles, guess what? Actually, some of our best days are ahead of us. That's what the quote means. So church, here's an encouragement for you. God gives us a clear assignment. He he looks to Joshua and he says, Now, therefore... You had your 30 days, okay? Arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. That's verse 2. It's time to get up and move on. That's what he's telling them. Now understand this, so you don't misunderstand something. Moses is mentioned 55 times in the book of Joshua. These people don't forget Moses. These people, these people have been taught tremendous truths by Moses. And let me tell you who probably thought about Moses more than any of the rest of them. It was probably Joshua. Because Joshua had benefited from decades of mentoring and being able just to be around Moses up close and personal and watch this guy talk with God and walk with God. And and that had rubbed off on him. And even in his latter days, you read in Deuteronomy, Moses calls Joshua close and he begins to say, listen, listen, I want you to remember this. You be strong and you be courageous, okay? He begins to give him those, those, those talks. And so understand this as a church. Listen, we do well as the family of God to remember the lives and the legacy of those who have taught us so well. And we also do well to remember that to each generation comes his and her opportunity for us to rise up and to embrace the mission that God has called us to. Amen? 30 days is up. Your 30 days is up. God's given you a clear mission. By the way, it wasn't just for Joshua. Not just for Joshua. It says in verse 2, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. You see, church, this, this message is for all of us. This mission is for every single one of us. And listen, it, it, can, be, it can be a challenging mission that we're embarking on here. It can be a challenging mission to follow God and to obey God and to go into the land because we're going to deal with opposition. We're going to face obstacles. They're facing the Jordan River, the Bible tells us in verse 2. By the way, the Jordan River was not some little creek out back, all right? It was a very formidable river. Joshua chapter 3 tells us that it was at flood stage. So picture this. Picture we, that we have ourselves down at the James River. And the James River is at flood stage. And it is raging. It is racing. At one point, at a certain crevice in the Jordan River, it would have been over, from what I've read, over 100 feet deep. And by the way, it's not going to be a big bank there that we can all kind of gather up on, by the way. Not just men, but the women and children got to go too. We're going to gather. No, it's not going to be this big beach we can gather on. So we can see. No, remember, it's a sloped. It's in a valley. 
one of the deepest valleys on the face of the earth. It's going to be a slope, steep slope down. We're going to have a steep descent, folks, fast and furious. But guess what? That's the mission God's given us. And so God does something here. God does something for Joshua that you and I need to hear today. I want you to read on verse three. He says, now every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you. Just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And listen to this, underline this. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Listen, God gives us a clear assignment. God assures us of his presence. Listen, God is not sending us as a church, as the people of God, out into deep water where he's not with us. He is with us. And I want you to think about something. Think about who he's saying this to. He is saying this to Joshua. And remember, go back and do a study on this. Go back and just, just, just type search in the word Joshua in, the, in a Bible search engine and see where Joshua's mentioned. Now, now there's a couple Joshua's in the Bible. You gotta make sure you got the, this Joshua. But, but, but I'm struck by how Joshua got to witness how close Moses was with God. And how Moses benefited from God being with him. Folks, I want you to know, it ought not to be lost on us that we are assured of the very presence of God. Listen, God had walked with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, then with Moses. Now, he's going to be with Joshua. God gives Gideon that same promise in Judges chapter 6. He tells, he tells the Jewish exiles in Babylon in, in, in Isaiah 41 that he's going to be with them. But then understand this church, Jesus himself has told us, I am with you always. Hebrews quotes this and says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what God tells you and me. So understand this. Even though sometimes people come and go, even though there are powerful mentors in our lives that come and go, even though we, might, we may find ourselves moving from here to there, never forget this. God is with you. God assures us of his presence. And God, so, and God so powerfully wants to get across to Joshua what we do sometimes, and it's human nature, and sometimes it's, it's, it's a worthy pursuit. We will, we will so direct our attention to another person, to another man or a woman, to another you know, human being that, that we see as this example that if we're not careful, we miss what's so wonderful about them anyway, and that is the God that's working in and through them. And God says, listen, I know, I know you're wondering what it's going to be like because Moses isn't here. But Joshua, you're a soldier, man. You're a warrior. You know, people live and they die. You've seen it with your own eyes. But I don't. I don't. I am with you always. I think about our, many of our seniors who are on the church trip for seniors up in New York City, our seniors in school, and they're going through this transition. And, and, and I tell you, when they're back here next week, I'm going to remind them, listen, don't you ever forget, listen, listen, God is with you. Don't you ever forget that? So church, let us remember that. What a tremendous promise. What a tremendous assurance. 
I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Then look at verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swear to the fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded to you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Hey, verse 9. Hey, Joshua, pay attention here. Hey, have I not commanded you? What does he say? Say it again. Y- y'all got to help out here a little bit, okay? What does he say? He says, be strong and courageous. Say that with me. Be strong and courageous. Now, here's, here's a big sermon point for you. God tells us to be what? Strong and courageous. I thought about trying to make that fancier for you so you might be impressed. But the bottom line is, guess what God tells Joshua? What did he say, kid? Huh? What did he say? Somebody's saying over here. One of the young young people. What did he say? Be what? No, I've scared you. Be strong and courageous. You were doing good. You keep it up. Be strong and courageous. Listen, here's the deal. God says, listen, I want you to know you got a clear assignment, okay? you got a clear mission. By the way, you don't need courage if you don't have a mission, right? It doesn't take a lot of courage to sit in the barracks or to sit at the base cafeteria, all right? It takes courage to be on a mission. Now, I'm going to be with you, okay? I assure you of my, of my presence. I'm right with you. But bottom line is this. You guys are going to have some strength and some courage. What does that mean? It means be strong and courageous. It's a verb. It's an action. It means there's going to be times as a church when we're going to have to be strong and we're going to have to have courage. And that's hard. I was in Williamsburg this past week for two days of meetings. And as I sat there, I, I could not help, as I was studying this passage, I could not help but think about the strength and the courage it took our founding fathers in this country to even forsake the unity that they so desperately would have wanted to maintain with the king of England. Why did they do that? Because they knew what was right. Because they knew what was truth. And they knew that liberty and freedom were more important than even their unity with the king of England. And this thought occurred to me. You got to be careful with this because this is revolutionary, literally. Strength and courage is required. And not simply unity. Now, you need to pray on that and think about that because that's strong, okay? I'm still wrestling with that. But I want you to think about that, church. Because he looks at him and he says, you're going to have to be strong, you're going to have to be courageous. And church, I want you to know, I don't know what the days hold for us as brothers and sisters in Christ. I know this much. We're going to have to be strong. We're going to need some courage. I have no agenda with it. I'm just telling you, it's what the Bible says. So I'm just anticipating we're going to need it. remember this lady we were planting a church and very small at this point we were meeting in somebody's living room had leaders of the church gathered there and I was struck by what she said this is a dear saint she's older in the Lord and older in years than me one of the most respected ladies that that I knew in my life and I remember we were sitting in this meeting and she raised her hand and she asked a question I've never forgotten this it's been over 10 years she said 
Brian, what can we do so that as a church, we don't ever have a conflict? She meant it as serious as, serious as I can say it. She said, what, what can we do to make sure we're, we're always united and we never have any conflict? She said that. Because you know what? She had seen some real heartache in churches. And she, with hope and with optimism, wanted us to be different. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I cannot promise you that we'll never have a conflict. But I can ask you to have courage. 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 And maybe you're wondering, well, what does that mean to have strength and courage? Well, let me, let me tell you where this is positioned in the Bible. We're told to be strong and courageous. But before that, he's told that God's with him. He has the presence of God with him. By the way, today, Pentecost Sunday. I was talking to a brother out in the hallway. Pentecost Sunday. You know, you have the Spirit of God in you. Amen. I used to look at our church, brother, where I was pastoring. And business meetings always kind of make pastors a little nervous. Why, I don't know. I just do. And I said this to him one time. I said, church, the Bible says you're the body of Christ, so here's the bottom line. Right now, I want you all to bow your heads, and I want you to pray that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to trust that you're going to act like the body of Christ. And the only way I know you can do that is if you're full of the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? This isn't just where I come on Sunday. My whole family's wrapped up in this. I told them that. And they knew it. They knew it. So here's the deal, church. God's got all of himself wrapped up in what we're about as a church. You know that, right? He gave his own son for you and me. So here's the deal. He wants us to know, listen, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, here's, here's what I said to him. I said, because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever you decide, it's going to be the right thing. But if you're not, God help you. So let's pray. That's what I said, and we did. Tell you what. Then you couple that with what's said after this encouragement. He's told to be strong and very courageous. He's been reminded, I'm going to be with you. But then he's told, he's told, you keep meditating on the word of God. You keep thinking about the word of God. You make sure you know the word of God. Listen, the, those scriptures, those first five books of the Bible that Joshua had, they weren't just to be carried around and put on tables and displayed as religious relics and as souvenirs from the days of Moses. They, he was to know those books. And here's what we have to know. You want, you want to know how you can be strong and courageous? You never forget that you have the presence of God and you never forget the word of God. You know it and you obey it. That word meditate, it's the idea that you read it and you kind of mutter it to yourself throughout the whole day. And he says, listen, you meditate on it day and night. That means this, as a leader, as a church, as members here, listen, we don't make a decision that's contrary to the word of God. And you know what? I found this. That makes, that makes a whole lot of what we do pretty simple. And I found, you know what? If you want to figure that out and talk about that and debate that, that's your business. Because bottom line is this. You know what? I'm, I'm worried about this. And we don't want to turn from it from the left or to the right. So I want you to see this. And this, and this is big picture thinking here because these are just big encouragements to give you today. And we'll come back to it next week. So don't forget this. Listen, they're assured of his presence. God tells them to be strong and courageous. And then listen, he just commands us, listen, do my word. And that means this. Listen, we're going to have to know his word. We're going to have to examine his word. And here's the deal. I can remember this. 
I can remember this. I told that church, I said, listen, you pray you're filled with the Holy Spirit and whatever you decide, I'll trust it's God's will. And you know what? In 10 years, praise God by his grace and not because of my own doing, but maybe just so I could share this story with you guys. In 10 years, there was one instance, one instance of someone voting contrary to the, rest of the rest, to the rest of the body. In 10 years. And we always voted by secret ballot because I didn't want anybody to be embarrassed or to know what others were doing because I was afraid they'd hold it against each other. Now, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that record. In 10 years. Of course, we didn't vote on a whole lot. It kind of made things easier, but anyway, you know. <laughs> I left that part out. I'm just, I'm just making the point, hey, listen, listen, I want you to hear this today. How to be a great generation from God. There's some basic encouragements here, so don't miss it. And we'll pick it back up next week. God gives us a clear mission, okay? God assures us of his, assures us of his presence. He's with us. He's with us. He tells us to be strong and courageous. And he commands us to obey his word. I'll show you a picture from that day in Washington. There you have four generations. My grandpa there, center right, my dad center left, my brother to the left, I'm to the far right, my little boy in front of me. Four generations. They're standing in front of the White House. And I share that with you because if we were to take a picture of this church, we'd probably look a lot like that. Four generations. And you know what? I want you to imagine in the days to come that we are generations together standing as a family of God in front of our commander-in-chief. Our commander-in-chief is the Lord of this house, just as the president is the Lord of the White House. And so today I ask us to never forget that we, as generations, are standing in front of our commander-in-chief. Today, I simply ask that you'll do this, that you'll say, Lord, Master, I'm your servant. Use me as you will. Use me as you will. I pray you'll be ready to march forward just as Joshua did. We'll see that in the days to come. Stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed if you would. If you're here today and you need to know how you can be a part of the family of God, how you can have your sins, sins, how your sins have been paid for, how you can have peace that your sins have been cleansed and you can be washed from your sin and experience forgiveness and new life in Christ, I'm gonna be down front and invite you to come forward. Also, if you're ready to unite with this church as a member, I'll be glad to have you come forward. We have some leaders here who will walk you through that and get some information. All the rest of us, many of us here, just maybe where you are, I just want to ask you today, if you'll just maybe perhaps pray, you want to come and kneel, you can and just pray and say, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. I surrender myself to you, to your mission. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Help me to be strong and courageous. Help me to know your word. Father, I pray in the weeks to come, you will raise up a mighty people that are ready to move forward as a great generation for you, Lord. Not for our glory, but for your glory. Not in our strength, but in your strength. 
Make us, Lord. Make us see that we are more than conquerors through you, Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.